pastor's thing on the Saturday. It'd be great. Okay, so the reading is from Romans chapter 8, verses 31 to 39. Romans 8, 31 to 39. And I'm going to read from the New Living Translation of the Bible. What shall we say about such things as these? If God be for us, who can ever be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? No one, for God himself has given us right standing with himself. Who then will condemn us? No one, for Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us. And he is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand, pleading for us. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity, or are persecuted or hungry, or destitute or in danger, or threatened with death? As the scriptures say, for your sake we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. No, despite all these things, Overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, nor angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth beneath. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Well, it's lovely to see you, friends, and uh, welcome if you are new or visiting. My name is Mark, and I'm the senior pastor here. If you've got a a Bible, do turn to that passage, Romans 8. This last couple of weeks, uh, Chris has been taking us through um, Romans 8. And uh, I think he's in Rome now, or Crete, or Greece, or somewhere on holiday. So um, he's left me this week, just to finish it off. And what a terrific uh, passage uh, this is. I think this passage is written primarily to reassure us of our relationship with God. To reassure us of uh, who God is and how much he loves us. Um, And I want to give you three reasons why... I believe the passage says that, and three reasons why I think often we doubt that. So we we often uh, find ourselves questioning our faith. So I think this passage is an absolutely terrific passage. It begins, what shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Paul, Paul is someone who writes... Um, having discovered for himself uh, a rich relationship with God. You know, you know Paul's history. Paul was somebody who persecuted the church. Paul was someone who was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. He was the strictest sect of the Pharisees. He pursued that with every uh, bit of energy he had in his body. He, he pursued religion. And then all of a sudden, he meets Jesus Christ and everything gets turned upside down. Everything changes. And he moves from this place of, of someone who pursues God, 
to realizing that God, God is pursuing him. In other words, he hasn't got to live such a life where he obeys the rules and he does this and he does that. He's got res- uh, regulations and, and offerings and religious ceremonies to appease God. But he's, he's now discovered what it means to live a life understanding that God pursues him. God is interested in him. And, and, and in the same way, we can understand that God is interested and pursues us. God loves you with a never-ending love. The whole story of the Bible, I, I can't remember. I've been so many places speaking recently, I can't remember why I've said what I've said. But the whole story, the whole story of the Bible is the story of God's pursuit of mankind. It's not the story of mankind's pursuit of God. The whole story of the Bible explains God's pursuit of us. God is forever looking for us. That's why the prophets in the Old Testament came. God saw people drifting away, and what happened? He sent a prophet to say, come back. God's pursuing you. God wants you. God wants relationship with you. And we read the stories in the Old Testament of the people coming back to God, and they find, oh, it's marvelous. Life is so much better. When we've got God in our midst, it's so much better when we understand who God is. The whole story of the Bible, we still get that wrong. Still today, we think, oh, I've got to live a life to please God. No, no, no. God, God is so pleased with you already. God pursues you. He loves you. He's after you. It's a really wonderful thing. You know, many years ago, I, I started going to church. My friend took me to church. There's a bit of a story of how I got there, but I went to church. And when I was, started going to church, um, it was a new thing for me, and it was, I, I saw this uh, lovely, pretty girl, and I thought, well, I just might pursue her. So I pursued her. It took a little while to pursue her, persuade her I was really worth going out with. And then uh, after a number of years of going out with her, I said to her, you know, would you like to marry me? She said, no. That was the first thing she said to me. So I thought I'd leave it another year. And then I asked her again, you know, very romantically. I said, would you like to marry me? She said, no. It was twice, two refusals. I was thinking, I'm pretty, I'm pretty wounded now. And so th- then about six months later, we had a dinner together, and I said to her, this is the deal. I said, you either marry me or I'm leaving you. And she said, all right, I'll marry you. That was about as romantic as I got with my wife. But, but, but the thing was, I kept pursuing her. I kept pursuing because I thought, she's the one I want. I kept pursuing. God pursues you in that same way. He'll keep coming to you again and again and again. He's interested in you. He wants a relationship with you. Not only does he pursue you, but he's invested in you. That's what this passage says. Paul brings it out. He says, if God is for us, who can ever be against us since he did not even spare his own son? Our Heavenly Father has invested the life of his son to know a relationship with you and me. He said, I'll sacrifice my son that you might know me and I might know you. He's invested something in us we only invest in things we believe in don't we we invest in our marriage we invest in our friends we invest in our relationships we invest in different things in life in our calling and in our careers we invest in them because we know we believe in them i think god says our heavenly father says here's the the thing that's most precious to me my son he said i'll invest that that I may know you, that you may know me. God is not just interested in us. He doesn't just pursue us. He's invested something significant, that or someone significant, that we might know him, that we might forever know him in our lives. And because he's invested in us, 
He says this, Since he did not, even spare, did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? I think this passage says God is interested in us, he's invested in us, and he has intentions for us. He has a purpose for us to live out in our lives. He, he, he has a calling on our lives. He has intentions for us. The thing is that, that God has a plan. He has a plan for you and for me. The ultimate plan, of course, is that we would know him. That's his ultimate plan. That's why he gave his son. That's his ultimate plan. But in between that, he also has other plans. There's a purpose in our lives. Paul himself uh, reveals that. He says, this is what God's called me to. He says it in Galatians. He says that in Galatians 1, he says, this is what God's called me to. He says, he came and revealed this to me, that I would live out this thing, that I would take the message to the Gentiles. What Paul had discovered was that this wasn't just for the people of God. This wasn't just for the Israelites. This just wasn't just for a select group. He says, no, 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 no. This I've now discovered, this message is that God loves all people and this message is for all people and God is interested in all people and God wants to, has invested in all people and God wants to have intentions for all people. He longs for all people to follow him and Paul says, I'm going to take this message out and for him that led to problems but that was what he was called to do and he takes this message out that people might know his goodness. That's why we've been talking about the gift of the Spirit over the last few weeks because it's the Spirit that reveals to us God's purposes and plans for our lives. That we will be filled with the Spirit and act as his witnesses. He says, what can I say about such wonderful things as these? Uh, the, Paul has discovered it. That's why in Philippians he writes about being content in all circumstances. He says, I found the place where my heart is at peace. I found the place where my life is at peace. I found the place where I, where I know I'm living my ultimate purpose. I found I've found that, that I'm living a fulfilled life. That's what Jesus says. I come that you have life in all its fullness. Paul says, I've discovered that. I've discovered and I long that others would discover that. So he begins this passage by saying, what can we say about such wonderful things as these? God loves us. God's invested in us. And God has intentions for your life and for my life. Well, that's all very well, isn't it? But that isn't always how we live it out. Sometimes we think, well, where are you, God? You know, I'm, I, here I am, I'm struggling in different ways. We, we have questions in our lives. Why is it we have questions? Why is it that Paul writes in this way to reassure people of their faith? The three little things I think come out of this passage, and I think Paul highlights them because he wants us to understand these, these areas. He wants us to overcome these areas in our lives. First one is this, he said, is guilt. We often, so often, we live with guilt in our lives. Listen to this, verse 33. Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? No one. For God himself has given us a right standing with himself. Who then can condemn us? No one. For Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us. And he is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand pleading for us. You know, one of the great truths of the gospel, one of the great truths of the Bible is that our sins are forgiven. When we put our faith in Christ, our sins were forgiven. We can live with guilt-free lives. 
There's no need to feel guilty about things that we've done in the past. He talks about the, the, the image we get. We use it in baptism. We die to the old way of life and we rise as new creations. Therefore, we don't have to carry the burdens that we've carried of those things that we've done wrong in the past. Rather, that we can live as new creations. That's what Paul himself has discovered. This guy who's put people to death, remember, in Acts, standing at the side, watching the stoning of Stephen. He talks about watching over the death of many Christians. And yet now he seems to stand fully free as someone who proclaims the good news and says, I've discovered this. And he's, he's put to death his old way of life. He says, I have no need to feel guilty about that anymore. And I'm going to take life to other people rather than causing death in other people. I wonder if you ever look back in your life and uh, still uh, uh, worry about things that you've done, maybe as a young adult or as a, uh, a teenager. And you just think, well, that was terrible. You know, what I did then or how I was... Well, God would say that shouldn't affect you still. Your past has been forgiven. Your sins have been forgiven. You're now able to live this victorious life. That doesn't necessarily mean that everything's going to go well for you. He comes on to that in a minute. But it does mean, it does mean that we don't need to live lives that are full of guilt. You know, one of the worst, one of the worst witnesses, <laughs> one of the worst witnesses for, for being a Christian is if Christians go around with faces that, 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 that reflect, you know, uh, uh, a, a sadness in them. You know, some Christians have faces that are as long as a milk round. You know, we, we, we need to have faces that reflect the goodness in us, the, the good news that God has given us. We're free. It's a wonderful thing. Our past has been forgiven. We can live with that lightness in life. And that should reflect in our, in, in our facial expressions. It should reflect in our confidence in who we are. It should reflect in the way in which we think every day. Paul's discovered that. Paul's discovered we can discover exactly the same. God wants to share that with us. Our past has been forgiven. He says often, often it's our guilt that causes us to question our, the goodness of God. Well, he says your guilt's been dealt with. That's what he says. Who can condemn you? Who can condemn you since Jesus Christ has stood for you? Who possibly can condemn you? No one can condemn you now. You're free in Christ. Live, live lives as being free in Christ. Accept the sacrifice. Otherwise, we demean it. We disempower it. We say, well, it's not good enough for me. I've been too bad. No, no, no. no you're free. You're free. You, you, you've been lifted out of the pit. Your past sins have been forgiven. But it's not that, he says, uh, verse 5, he goes on, can anything ever separate us from Christ's love then? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? As the scriptures say, for your sake, we are killed every day and we're being slaughtered like sheep. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. You know, um, often... Uh, Physical problems, problems cause people to doubt faith. You know, gosh, is God really there for me? I've lost my job. Or I'm sick. Can God really be for me? I've, I've just had this tragedy in my life. Can God really be for me? My mother is sick, or my father is sick, or my wife is sick, or my husband, or my friend. Is God really for me? My child is struggling. Is God really for me? You can bring up so many things. The truth is that God is for you. He's so for you. 
He so loves you. I had a conversation with someone last week, and a lovely conversation, and they said to me, they said, Mark, I'm really having trouble connecting with God at the moment. I said, oh, what? why is that? That's an interesting opening statement. They said, well, my mother, this is her words, my mother is sick, and I'm wondering why she's sick if I believe in God. I'm like, okay. Mothers get sick. Fathers get sick. You know, that happens. That's when you need to pray to God. That's when you need God. That's not when you abandon it. That's when you, you go back to the God. The God who answers our prayers. The God who we, in whom we can have faith. The God in whom we, who will ultimately we will see in glory. The God whom we know and trust. It's interesting, isn't it, that, that the Chinese church, still going through much suffering and pain, has just exploded in growth. Throughout history, any time there's pain, persecution, or trouble, the people of faith have their faith strengthened, and they find God in that place. When they have to fully rely on him, they find him to be true. They find him to be faithful. They find him to be someone who can be relied on. Paul says, Paul says can any of that ever separate us from God? He says, no, it can't. He says, look, your guilt can't separate you. He says, no physical action against you that can separate you. And Paul has every right to say that. What does he say in 2 Corinthians? He says, I've gone hungry, I've gone naked, I've been beaten, I've been flogged, I've been stoned, I've been left as dead. He says, I've gone through all that stuff. He says, I have absolute confidence in this Heavenly Father who I know pursues me, loves me, invests in me, is interested in me, and has a purpose for my life. And the same is true for us. He says, that that I've discovered, he said, I want to proclaim that message from the rooftops. So firstly, guilt means we need reassurance. We can have that. Physical problems might mean we need reassurance. And then there's spiritual attack. He ends the passage with this. But I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons. Neither our fears for today, nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. I think Paul includes this because sometimes being uh, 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 our spiritual lives probably aren't as healthy as they should be. I don't know if any of you have ever been invited for a health MOT. Have you ever had one of those? You have to the doctor phone you and say, you need to come, or someone from the doctor's practice, phone, you need to come for an, a health MOT. You think, oh my goodness me. And they check you out, they check your blood pressure, and I don't know what else they do, but they check you out, you know. And they go, well, you need to improve on that, and you're not doing that, and are you having your five a day, and are you doing this, are you doing, you know, you think, well, if you get, ever get one of those letters, make sure you're eating healthily for the three weeks beforehand, so that you can answer well, you know, cut down your alcohol intake, up your fruit intake, all of that sort of thing, you know, you'll be all right then. But isn't it interesting, we get asked that question, how are we doing spiritually? So sometimes we can find spiritually we're not doing so well. Think, well, I don't know how my prayer life is. You know, I'm, I'm struggling there. I, I don't read my Bible as often. I'm struggling there. I don't, I, it doesn't feel easy. I'm Paul, Paul, says, Paul says, nothing, nothing can separate you. He says, even if you're finding something like that difficult at the moment, nothing can separate you. God loves you. He loves you with a never-ending love. He loves you. He says, no power in the sky above or the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us 
from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. I think Paul wants to drive a message home. I think Paul, Paul, this thing that he's discovered, this thing that's completely transformed his life, he says, this is for everybody. This is for you and for me. That we would know God's love. We'd be assured of God's love. He says, what can we say about such wonderful things as these? What can we say? If God is for us, who can be against us? God is interested in you. He pursues you. He just wants you to say yes daily to him. Because he's invested in you. He's invested the life of his only son that we would know the love of our heavenly father. He has intentions for you. He has a purpose for your life to be lived out. And if you lean on him, that purpose will be revealed. And you, like Paul, like I, we will know. We will know a life of daily fulfillment, life in all its fullness, because that's what God promises. A day life of daily contentment, that that Paul was experiencing. And we mustn't let guilt or physical problems or spiritual challenges ever pull us away from that. Because he finishes by saying this. He says, there's nothing, no power in the sky above or in the earth below, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's why it's good news. The good news is God loves us. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. Let's stand together, shall we?